From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And I am happy to welcome you back to the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first time, well, let me offer you an especially, an especially, that isn't a word. Pretty sure I'll look it up in the dictionary, but I'm pretty sure it's not there. Let me offer you an especially warm welcome for your first visit. We're going to spend the next 30, 40 minutes or so talking about a bunch of things cannabis, and I mean a bunch of things got lined up for today. But before we do that, let me remind you this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment and perhaps educational purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. And in this episode, well, we're going to look back at terpenes. We're going to start a whole series of things we're going to be doing over the next few episodes. Diving into some specific on terpenes, this is more of a broad view of some common terpenes, and this is from my buddy David Wiley at OkanaganZ.com. We'll add to that some explanation for what you're seeing in your cannabis labels, what some of those numbers may mean. You may have also heard that there was a store applying for a license in the airport in Prince George. Eh, apparently that idea didn't take flight. Also remember that the B.C. government was asking a few months ago for your opinion about whether they should be opening or allowing consumption lounges. We got the first report on that. We'll touch on that. It's exciting to see this industry grow, and this is a story about some of that growth, how a processing facility became a game changer over in the West Kootenays. On Cultivar Corner this episode, it is Coast Mountain Cannabis and Lucy in the Sky. A nice sativa is coming up for a taste. And we're going to finish with a story about, alas, alas, what happened to my tab rig. All of that and more on episode 115 of the Cannabis Podcast. And we are going to OkanaganZ.com for our first story. This one written by my buddy David Wiley. It's a field guide to common terpenes found in cannabis. As we have discovered, of course, over the course of the podcast since we began, terpenes were hardly ever mentioned. And... David has a great quote about terpenes in the second line of this story. Terpenes have always been part of our everyday lives. We just didn't really talk about them until they became entrenched in the modern-day legal cannabis lexicon. All plants produce terpenes. They're the oils that give off their scent. More than 100 terpenes have been found in cannabis, and different strains have different combinations. Here are some of the highlights on seven terpenes most commonly found in cannabis. Pinene is associated with feeling energized, alert, and creative. Pinene, as the name suggests, smells like pine. It also occurs in rosemary, basil, parsley, and dill. Pinene is the most common terpene in nature as it's an effective insect repellent. Pinenes, there are both alpha-pinene and beta-pinene, are used to make turpentine. And pinene vaporizes at 155 degrees Celsius, or 311 degrees Fahrenheit. Myrcene can feel sedative. Mangoes are one of the many plants that contain myrcene. Mangoes, lemongrass, thyme, and cardamom are some of the plants that contain myrcene. It has an earthy herbal clove flavor. It's one of the most common terpenes found in cannabis plants. It vaporizes at 167 degrees Celsius or 332 degrees Fahrenheit. Limonene can feel euphoric. It's bright and citrusy. Limonene has a distinct citrus flavor, particularly oranges. It's found in citrus fruit peels, as well as caraway and dill. Its name comes from the Italian word for lemon, 
limon. It's widely used as a dietary supplement, flavoring, and in cosmetic fragrances. It vaporizes at 176 degrees Celsius or 348 degrees Fahrenheit. Preophylline is a proven painkiller. It's spicy as pepper and as clove. As one of the chemical compounds that gives black pepper its smell, caryophylline has a spicy flavor that's also found in cloves and cinnamon. Fun fact, you could call caryophylline the narc of the terpenes, as it's the smell that drug-sniffing dogs pick up on. It's been shown to have an anti-inflammatory effect, and vaporizes at 176 degrees Celsius or 340 degrees Fahrenheit. And as a bit of a sidebar, I find that an interesting uh, fun fact. And I wonder, so therefore, if you had some weed that didn't have any caryophylline in it, it could get by the drug-sniffing dogs. Interesting fact, I'd never heard that piece before. Linalool is often associated with lavender because it is calming and uplifting. Linalool is a floral scent often associated with lavender. It's also found in spice plants like coriander, which can add some spicy depth. As a popular scent, linalool is used commercially to make soaps, fragrances, and food additives. It vaporizes at 176 degrees Celsius, 348 degrees Fahrenheit. Humulene is a terpene associated with healing and inflammatory effects. Found in the flowering cone of the hops plant, humulene is like a heady IPA, but not too bitter. It's a compound also prominent in tobacco, sage, and ginseng. Humulene is being studied for its underlying anti-inflammatory effects, vaporizes at 225 degrees Celsius, 379 degrees Fahrenheit. Soothing, calming bisabolol is found in medical cannabis strains. Bisabolol is reminiscent in smell and taste of chamomile. High concentrations can be found in medicinal cannabis strains. It is subtle and floral. Its smell is also compared to apples, sugar, and honey. Vaporizes at 119 degrees Celsius and 246 degrees Fahrenheit. And some notes at the bottom of the story from David. Thanks to Edison Cannabis Company for the well-designed terpene guide that looks like a Panatone color tool. And also to Wikipedia, which has a great resource in describing the different terpenes. And thank you for the effort in putting that story together, Mr. David Wiley at OkanaganZ.com. And in fact, our second story today is also going to be from OkanaganZ.com and a kind of a, a tail on, or as he has described, it's part two of his look at the terpene profile. This is the second installment in How to Read the Label series, because we want to help decode the language and figures used on labels to help people better understand the information they're seeing. Reading labels can help you understand cannabis better. Labels are a bit of a code to crack, so don't feel out of place if you don't instantly understand what the jargon and numbers mean. Every legal cannabis product has both THC and CBD percentages on the label. You'll see them as different numbers. If it's your first time looking at a cannabis label, you might throw your hands up and ask, what does this even mean? Here's some insight into how to understand the label. In completely unscientific terms, THC is the cannabinoid that gets you high. CBD is the cannabinoid that keeps you chill. These numbers will be shown in different ways depending on the format, such as flour, oils, and edibles. Here's how to read cannabis flower labels. On flower labels, you'll see something like this. THC, 2.3 milligrams per gram, and then in brackets, total THC, 72 milligrams per gram. CBD, 1.1 milligram per gram, and then in brackets, total CBD, 116 milligrams per gram. The second number listed, total THC or total CBD, is the figure relevant to you. 
as it denotes how much THC and CBD you'll get after heating and inhaling. In other words, it's how you can figure out the THC percentage of the smoke. With smoking and vaping, THC levels are discussed as percentages. Turning the total number into a percentage is as easy as adding a decimal point to the left of the last digit. So in the example we just talked about, THC would be 7.2% and CBD would be 11.6%. THC levels in flour range from practically nil in hemp to over 30% in that real sticky stuff. CBD levels are usually low in flour, but some strains are bred specifically for it. Over 10% CBD is considered high. And let me take a bit of a sidebar here and add a little bit more to this story. That first value of the THC is in fact the THC that has already been decarboxylated. So that 2.3 milligrams per gram is THC that would in fact get you high if you could manage to consume it. <laughs> That's what that first value is. And then the actual, the total THC of 72 milligrams we spoke about in this example is actually THCA because it has not yet been decarboxylated. So when we speak of the percentage, that is the percentage available of THC. It doesn't mean you're going to consume that entire percentage. End of sidebar. Vape card labels have the same formula. THC and CBD numbers on vape card labels can also be turned into percentages by moving the decimal. Because cannabis oil is used in vapes, it will have a much higher percentage, often in the 80% plus range. Terpene levels are also usually listed on flour and vape labels. Flour is commonly listed as having between 2 to 5% terpenes. Terpenes generally add smell and taste. How to read cannabis tincture and oil labels? Well, on the tincture labels, you'll see something like THC, 2.1 milligram per mil, and then in brackets, total THC, 2.1 milligram per mil. CBD, 10.8 milligrams per mil. Total CBD, 10.8 milligrams per mil. Oil and tincture labels measure THC and CBD either per milliliter or per drop, depending on the product. Often oils will come with a syringe to accurately measure the dose. A small syringe is about a mil. It can be difficult to find out how much liquid is in the bottle as it's only clearly marked on many of the labels. It's usually 30 milliliters. When in doubt with oil or water-soluble liquids that use measured droppers, look for the words per activation, which means per drop. How to read cannabis edible labels. On edible labels, you'll see something like THC per unit, less than 0.03 per milligram, and then in brackets, total THC per unit, less than 0 or 0.3 per milligram, and CBD per unit, 20 milligrams, in brackets, total CBD per unit, 20 milligrams. When reading edible labels, you'll want to pay attention to the per unit amount. They show how much THC and CBD are infused in each piece. With a lower THC limit of 10 milligrams per unit, Edibles have branched into lesser-known cannabinoids such as CBN and CBG for value-added propositions. Cannabis drinks are under the same limitations as edibles when it comes to THC. Here are a few more thoughts on reading levels of THC, CBD, and other cannabinoids. What is a normal amount? Everyone has their own normal as some people have different tolerance levels and are affected in different ways. Edibles have a high THC limit in Canada of 10 mg THC per package. Half of that is a good place for beginners to start. With flour, anything below 20% THC is considered to be low potency, and the mid-20s is medium. Sidebar to that, that's a significant factor in what has changed in the last four years. When we started this podcast, 20% was considered high THC, and now it's the low range. End of sidebar. With edibles and oils, the package often shows ratios such as 1 to 5. 
This is a quick way to see the amount of THC to CBD. In this case, it would be 1 mg THC to 5 mg CBD. Sometimes there are more than two numbers which denote THC, CBD, and minor cannabinoids, which would be 1, 5, and 2. If this still seems like code where you haven't cracked the cipher, give it some time and experimentation and the number combinations will unlock. And just remember to read those labels and move those values aside. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. You may remember some time ago, we talked about the fact that a cannabis store was trying to open in an airport in BC. Well, here's a story from mjbizdaily.com written by Solomon Israel that gives us the results. A high-profile plan to open a first-in-the-world recreational cannabis store inside an airport terminal in Prince George, British Columbia, has been scrapped, apparently a victim of shifting economic conditions. The planned Cloudbreak Cannabis location, previously known as Copilot Cannabis, promoted itself as being on course to become the first cannabis retail store in an airport terminal, garnering media attention. But in December, the Prince George Airport Authority, the PGAA, announced that the store would not be signing a lease or beginning construction, citing changing market conditions. Cloudbreak co-founder Reed Horton declined an interview request from MJ Biz Daily to discuss the store's cancellation. PGAA President and CEO Gordon Duke told MJ Biz Daily that the store was in development for about three years and was due to open in the first quarter of this year before the change of plans. A lot has changed in the economy, Duke said. And certainly we've seen with interest rates and inflation just in the past six months, it has really changed the economic environment. Duke added that the store took longer to develop than a new airport retail store would typically take, citing regulatory hurdles related to opening cannabis stores and the added complexity of opening one at an airport. We were hopeful and enthused that this might come to fruition. However, we understand the risk associated with any startup business. Some Canadian airlines were opposed to the airport cannabis store, arguing against it to Prince George's City Council. That would be a takeaway that we had, is to communicate earlier with the airlines, Duke said. Canada's busiest airport, Toronto Pearson, reportedly hired a lobbyist in 2022 to explore the possibility of cannabis retail, although the airport's governing authority told CPC News that it had no plans for such a store. And there you go, Prince George, they did not go forward with their cannabis store in the airport. And while we're in BC, let's touch on this story. This is from Stratcan, and a story written by David Brown. BC has released their What We Heard report, based on a 2022 survey exploring the possibility of cannabis consumption spaces. The survey, conducted both online and via telephone, showed high levels of support for consumption spaces from cannabis consumers, as well as concerns with the potential for co-location of cannabis with alcohol and impaired driving. In total, 61% of telephone survey respondents and 34% of online survey respondents said they supported cannabis consumption spaces. The report also notes that it's possible the different rates of support had to do with self-selection bias, with telephone sampling being random, while online surveys could have been more targeted. Younger people were also more likely to support cannabis consumption spaces than older Canadians. Feedback from this survey will help inform decisions by the provincial government on if it will allow cannabis consumption spaces and, if so, how this could be accomplished. While many often think of smoking or vape lounges, The province defines cannabis consumption spaces more broadly to include cannabis-specific consumption locations, consumption at festivals or other events, or even cannabis consumption in non-cannabis primary spaces. Due to laws that prevent smoking and vaping indoors, such spaces are not being considered. 
BC sought public feedback earlier last year on what cannabis consumption spaces might look like in the province. Health and safety are our utmost priorities as we consider how provincial cannabis policies could evolve, said Mike Farnworth, Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. This report provides valuable insights into people in BC's perspectives on cannabis and will help guide our work to support a strong, diverse, and safe legal cannabis sector across the province. Most survey respondents who said they used cannabis also said they were in support of consumption spaces, as were cannabis retailers, producers, and industry associations who provided written submissions. However, non-cannabis consumers, as well as some public health and safety organizations and local governments, were overall not supportive of such spaces. In total, 730 people took part in the Telebone survey, while 15,362 people completed the online survey, and 66 individuals, businesses, and organizations provided written submissions. Exploring the feasibility of cannabis consumption spaces is another way BC is working to support the success of the industry, said Brittany Anderson, Parliamentary Secretary for Tourism. With the recent introduction of a license for farm gate sales, understanding public opinion on cannabis-related hospitality and agritourism activities is a practical next step. The feedback in this report will play an important role in the development of provincial policies. Being able to purchase and consume cannabis products like edibles and beverages in locations where alcohol is also sold and consumed was a contentious subject. Among those who responded to the telephone survey, 42% supported such a model while 41% opposed. In the online survey, 64% of respondents opposed such a model, while only 32% supported it. Those who used cannabis were more likely to support co-location. Concerns with dual consumption and intoxication were among the chief concerns from public health officials who opposed a co-location model, while most cannabis industry-affiliated organizations were supportive of co-location. There is no expected timeline for the province's next steps on any possible regulations for cannabis consumption spaces. The first report from the BC government looking at whether or not consumption spaces are viable going forward. I sure hope they are. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner, go to the corner, oh yeah. Go to the corner, please explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, we're paying our second visits to a company called Coast Mountain Cannabis. They are an organic grower. And this time we are doing their Lucy in the Sky. Let me give you the story of Lucy in the Sky, sometimes referred to as... Oh, never mind. I won't say those three initials because I'm not supposed to. Let me get the story for you from Coast Mountain Cannabis. First of all, let's tell you about Coast Mountain Cannabis and what they do. So they build a regenerative living soil ecosystem rich with organic nutrients and microorganisms certified organic by ProCert. Their master growers are passionate about brewing in-house microbial teas that feed the soil rather than the plant. And their LEDs replicate the entire electromagnetic spectrum of natural sunlight that's needed by the plants during the various stages of the growth cycle. And they're never in a hurry. They dry their cannabis slowly in cool temperatures to lock in those important terpenes and preserve the flavor. And they take their time. Never machine trim their cannabis. Each bud is manicured by hand with care to preserve the structure. And they believe that high-quality cannabis grown on a smaller scale is better for us, the community, and the customers. That's the story behind Coast Mountain Cannabis. 
Now let's talk about the product we're talking about today, and that is their Lucy in the Sky. Often called Lemon Diesel, Lemon Sour Diesel, or an acronym we're not allowed to use, but I can, LSD, BC Organic Lucy in the Sky is for those looking to enjoy an invigorating and euphoric high. The strain has a noticeably skunky diesel-like aroma. Let's check. Mm, there is a hint of skunk in there, and I have been waiting to find some of that hint of skunk. Mm, it is there. But also, yeah, definitely some diesel notes. Mm. Oh, and that citrus fragrance is just bursting out of this little jar. Now, kudos to Coast Mountain Cannabis. They do deliver their cannabis in lovely little dark glass jars, so no light is going to impact your cannabis when it's stored in that Coast Mountain jar. Love that when that happens. They also do a pretty good job of providing some information for us on the label. I'm going to hang on to one piece of data just because I think it'll be an interesting comparison, but let me tell you what the terpenes are. The total terpenes in this, 1.49%, made up of terpinaline at 0.47%, myrcene at 0.31% and osamine at 0.33%. So those are our top three terpenes. Oh, just a delightful aroma out of that. Let's pull out the Jewelers Loop and take a look at, oh, and I just pulled out an incredibly big bud out of this three and a half. Boy, that's big. <laughs> that's probably about two grams right there in itself. Now the picture that they have, and of course I have the link back with the show notes, and the picture that you'll note on the Coast Mountain Cannabis site is the plant still growing, where we're seeing all those wonderful trichomes. And unfortunately, once it goes through the curing process, it doesn't quite look as frosty, but it still looks pretty darn good. Lots of red hairs in this. Lots of red hairs in this. Fairly expansive trichome fields. Can't pick up on a lot of amber. Looks like we got a lot of milky. A little bit of amber on some of those. And as you crush the buds to grind it up, those smells just come bursting forth even more. Squeeze my finger with that. Oh, maybe it's the osamine in this case that's giving those fruity totens. Oh, just a beautiful smell, though. Really, really potent. And now I've had some weed that has been at a terp percentage in the 4 to 5% that did not have as robust an, an aroma as this one does. So I'm pretty impressed at 1.47, 1.49 total terpenes. And those terpenes are just bursting forth. I'm ready. I've got a joint. The Crafty Plus is ready to load up. So let's finish the description. The strain has a noticeably skunky diesel-like aroma accompanied by a robust citrus fragrance and a taste to match. This might be the experience that you're searching for. 100% certified organic, ultra-premium, grown indoors using organic living soil, perfectly cured, hand-trimmed, and packed with love in glass jars. Oh, you can feel the love when you hold that glass jar in your hand. <laughs> it is. Now, here's where I get a little strange. or I don't get strange, but my perception gets a little strange. Afghani indica and skunk number one. That's the cross that makes up this sativa-dominant hybrid. Well, hang on a sec. Afghani indica, that's a pretty strong indica. That skunk number one must be an incredible sativa to be able to mix with the Afghani indica and turn this into a sativa-dominant hybrid. Now, of course, I don't know all the, how the genetics work and, and all of those pieces. I'm just a dope smoker. <laughs> but I still am curious how Afghani indica and skunk number one 
can turn into a sativa dominant hybrid. Now, the THC, a piece of data that I'm kind of holding back from you. The range on this one, 16 to 22% THC. And I'm not going to say what the THC is on this until we are somewhat further into it. In fact, it's time to, to take a taste. The Crafty is ready. The joint is ready. This is Coast Mountain Cannabis Organic Lucy in the Sky. And of course, they couldn't put the word diamonds behind that because then they'd have some copyright issues to deal with. <laughs> Lucy in the Sky by itself, I think, is a fairly safe phrase. Okay, off the joint, a little bit of that skunkiness. Definitely some of those citrus tones. Smooth. Mm, no harshness whatsoever. And since the Crafty Plus is ready... Let's bring that up and see what we got this taste of Lucy in the Sky. Oh my, dramatic. The difference is absolutely dramatic. When you talk about the difference between smoking the joint and in the Crafty Plus, just the amount of flavor you're picking up. Definitely some lemon notes. Little bit of that skunkiness. Again, I have not come across really, really skunky weed since probably back in the early 80s when my buddy used to grow it down the road. <laughs> but a lot of people are saying they got some skunk in their weed. This does have a little bit of the skunkiness. I'm just going to relight the joint. And so, again, this is a, a product where, I think, where you're looking for an invigorating and euphoric high. And here we go. Oh, I just love the taste notes off the Crafty Plus. And here come the happy eyes. Hmm. <coughs> oh, nice. I love that transition. <laughs> when you're sitting here and you're just waiting for some of that effect, and lo and behold, here it comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there's the happy eyes. Oh, the euphoria. Mm. Just rolling around behind those happy eyes. <laughs> this was what I was hoping for. 100% certified organic, ultra premium, grown indoors using organic living soil, perfectly cured and trimmed, and packed with love in glass jars. <clears throat> and I might also say unpacked with love out of those glass jars. <laughs> Ground up with love. Mm. Oh, delightful aroma. Terpene rich. Trichome rich. Delivering some nice happy eyes. Oh, that euphoria is just, oh, building. <laughs> This was the effect that I was hoping for. And there's a reason why I held back the THC until we got a little further into it, because I was curious as to see what the effect was going to be. The THC on this, 19.9%. That's right. 19.9%, under 20%. And if you listen to people these days, they'll tell you that, oh my God, they've been smoking the 29% THC. They can't possibly go back to something in 199 <sighs> You need to take a different approach. <laughs> 
Each weed has to stand on its own, and, and I keep saying to people, don't be so worried about these THC values that continue to climb. Here we are, some old-school organic weed, 19.9% THC, and I am pretty buzzed. It's a really nice high, got lovely happy eyes, probably stronger than I've had for a while. That euphoric feeling in my head just rolling around there. I've got some, mm, I got some good feelings in my head. Feeling like I want to get a bunch of stuff done today because that's good because this is podcast weekend. So don't worry about those THC values. Again, it's going to be between you and your endocannabinoid system, whether or not it's truly going to have an effect on you. This is a cross of Afghani Indica and Skunk Number 1, heavy on the lemon diesel or the lemon sour diesel. We'll call it Lucy in the Sky from BC Organic Cannabis at 19.9% THC. And it's given me a very euphoric buzz. Sharing stories about good weed while trying good weed. This is the Cannabis Podcast. And our next story is coming from what we call a local resource on the internet. This is castanet.net and a story about processing Kootenai pot and what a game changer it's been. Growers, processors, and cannabis marketers all say a new business in the South Slocan Valley will be a game changer for the cannabis industry in the West Kootenai. About 50 people showed up for an open house a week before Christmas at Antidote Processing Incorporated, a new facility at the junction of Highway 6 and 3A in the South Slocan Valley. Antidote is really about highlighting craft cultivators, and our mission is to be completely dedicated to the success of small craft producers in the region, says Antidote CEO Shannon Ross, her voice echoing in the still empty building. Our success is built on the success of all the craft producers in this region. Before the December 17th open house, Ross gave tours of the facility, a nondescript warehouse they've been completely renovating to federal security and processing standards at a cost of $1.2 million to date, this is the secure storage, our biggest room, she says, entering one of the mainly clean, brightly painted rooms in the building. It will be temperature controlled with shelving and racks. We'll have fridges and freezers to store hash and rosin. Everything will be kept environmentally controlled. The cavernous rooms, none of the equipment, tables, or storage units were installed by the open house, only hint at the amount of cannabis antidote hopes to process. Getting to this point has been two years in the making. This has been the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, Ross says, noting everything from the pandemic to supply chain issues got in her team's way. We could not have tried to build something in a tougher time. The fact we've been able to do this shows the incredible amount of support we have locally, and we're really grateful for the faith in us that has been shown by owners and angel investors. Ross and her small and mighty team have completed the phone book thick pile of regulatory documents and shipped out a final application video to federal regulators. While it's not absolutely certain they'll be approved, they're confident they've met the federal standards. And with all that work behind them, it was time to celebrate. The event was time to start at, appropriately, 4.20, the magic hour for cannabis enthusiasts. It's a cold, dark December evening, but the group that's assembled for the event mostly all know each other. Soon the room fills with excited and friendly chatter. Participants graze the appy table, sip on drinks, or step outside to share their products. Among the guests are founding members of Antidote fellow travelers and friends in the cannabis business, industry activists, and local politicians. And to a person, they are excited about what Antidote will do for the Kootenai industry. This is the next step for us to be vertically integrated, says Shay LeBlanc, a Samo area-based craft producer and one of the co-founders of Antidote. 
He'll provide up to 5,000 kilos of cannabis a year to the processing plant once it's fully operational. The reality is we are just small drops in a really big ocean. And our real opportunity is to work together and support each other. Today's market margins are really tight. And to have the option like this is the difference between making it or not. It's been a long journey to get to this point, to say the least, adds Gary Krempel of Winlaw-based Lono's Garden Paradise. He's another of the co-founders of Antidote and came up with the company name. This is a game-changer. I will have, all of a sudden, a very clean and direct path to market, which I have not had up to this point, even with having a license since 2020. This gives me an opportunity where there was no opportunity. Krempel says he's already seeing potential growth by participating in Antidote. With Antidote, I have the chance to develop a brand, and just through word of mouth, I already have a dozen stores that can't wait to have my product. For a guy like me to have a year's supply for a dozen stores, that's a great start. For people who just want to focus on growing product, Antidote sales plans are a godsend. One grower says they've been sitting on their first crop because the marketing demands were just too complex. It wasn't that you had to have a good cannabis, says Damien Kessel of Kootenai Microfarm, a Slocan Valley producer. You had to be really savvy, know the right people, and you were still going to be ground down by the corporations. What we found was we were corporate nobodies. So as a community, we said, let's make us our own middle person so we don't have to be involved in that game. What Antidote seeks to do is provide a vehicle for cannabis growers in the Kootenays to navigate the complex regulatory process to get their product legal and to take that product, process it, and prepare it for market. Growers have complained since before legalization that the approval process was complex, time-consuming, and expensive. They said it was ill-suited to moving small black market operations to the legal market, and even if they were able, large-scale producers had the economic muscle to squeeze small producers financially. The end result was the growers of the world-famous Kootenai brand of cannabis were either being headhunted by larger out-of-province producers or getting out of the business entirely. For several years already, Antidote staff have been helping small growers custom-tater their applications to Ottawa for approval. Antidote's processing equipment will turn raw cannabis weed into essential oils, hashish, vape cartridges, pre-rolled joints, and packaged raw flour. Stage 2 will see the company certify a kitchen to allow Antidote to move into edibles and other value-added products and into international sales. The international market is huge, Ross says. The Kootenays could not supply enough cannabis to the world. As soon as we open our doors, we're going to be taking craft flour and packaging it into containers and shipping it to retail stores and the liquor distribution branch and be extracting it at the same time, says Ross. We'll be working with six indoor micros and a dozen outdoor growers, so we have a lot of capacity. By the end of the year, Ross says they hope to be processing at least 2,000 kilograms of cannabis from about a half dozen craft growers. That will increase as their production lines develop, and they'll hire about six staff initially, adding staff as they grow into the work. And more than that, the community they're beginning to develop will grow stronger, she predicts. We're almost like a family. We've helped them since the beginning of getting their licenses. We helped them build their business, and now we're helping them get to market. So what is coming out of Antidote is really representing their business. They're getting the services they need, and they're getting a good, reliable product. That first product could be on local store shelves as soon as this April or May. And there's a great story from the Kootenays, Thanks to Castanet.net. It doesn't matter how high the THC is. The entourage effect is always waiting for you here. This is the Cannabis Podcast. You've heard me talk in the last little bits about how much fun I've been having with the dab rig addition to my bong. (laughs) Just picked up a standard bong a few months ago. 
Not sure why I stayed away from the bong for so long, but but regardless of that, I finally got back to it. <laughs> and then, as I say, I added, um, at the urging of Jericho, to keep my bong clean, I added an ash catcher. Just a little addition, if you're not familiar with that, that, that it kind of goes on the top of the bong. All the smoke kind of goes in there first, and that's where most of the resin collects, I guess would be the best way to describe that. And it was working really well. It kept my bong pretty clean. The ash catcher got really, really dirty, but it was easy to clean with some Randy's Black Cleaner. So I added that, and then I also added a banger and a cap. Surprisingly enough, I picked them up at a well-known online company that starts with A. <laughs> and I think when I, I picked up one of them, it had a the picture of it had a flower in it like it was a vase. <laughs> so got the banger, got the, uh, the cap, and was quite enjoying it. Figured out now finding how to use my, my torch. Uh, it's not a really expensive torch I had. It's the Whippet torch from Blaze. I, <laughs> I felt really stupid sometimes trying to fill that up because it just wasn't working for me. I, and, I, and I finally figured out I was just taking the wrong approach. Once I realized that how to get it done, it worked pretty well. And I was working on some concentrates the other day. And this was a little uh, live resin and really sweet, really nice. Put a little, little bit into my banger, picked up a dab tool as well so I can get all my stuff way down deep into the banger. Did that, got my torch fired up. I'm using a cold start because that just kind of works better for me in my particular environment. So I fire up the torch, get going, it's firing up. And then I don't know what happened. <laughs> I've been replaying it in my brain and I haven't figured out the exact sequence of steps. But the next thing I know, Water is now pouring out of my bong onto my desk, destroying a pack of papers that I had ready, <laughs> which I wasn't quite expecting. And then the next thing that happened is, <laughs> and I don't believe this, my ash catcher, I had a piece of that on the top of my table. The rest of that was on my cement floor, which of course is always a problem. And right next to my smashed ash catcher, was my smash banger and I still haven't found my cap. <laughs> no, that's not true. I have found my cap, but it was damaged as well. <sighs> Crushed. If you've ever had any kind of a rig and you've dropped it on the floor, you know what that feeling is. Just crushed. That 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 moment where you wish you could get those ten that five second back and do something just a little bit different so you had a different outcome. That wasn't possible. Ash catcher, banger, cap, destroyed. Well, I still had some concentrate in the banger, so I lost a little bit there too. Now what do I do? Do I replace all of that? Go through that process and, and you know, quite frankly, I'm thinking I'm not. I think I'm just going to stick with my graph straw, which I have used. And the whole idea of that is you just heat up the end of it and then dip that into your concentrates. Works pretty well. Not the same as doing a dab off of a rig, I get that. But with the expense and the fact that it'd be pretty... Well, I could still break this. It is glass. It is possible I could drop it on the floor. But a lot less prospect of that. 
because it's easy to hold in my hand. I can control it. So I'm thinking I'm not likely to get all of that stuff again, get the banger and, and the cap. I may get an ash catcher just because I like the fact that that keeps my bong clean. See if I can find a little more sturdy one of those <laughs> that I can put onto it. So there you go. It's happened to all of us. You drop a rig, it breaks. Now you have to look for a replacement. Not the best outcome for that particular day. And let me thank you so much again for being a listener of the Cannabis Podcast. I truly appreciate you being here. And I also thank those who have been supporting me at buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast. There is also another way you can support the podcast if you feel so inclined. You may have heard of Patreon. It's a site where creators can connect with their audience. And I now have a Cannabis Podcast page on Patreon. You're welcome to check it out or not. You can find the link on each episode's page with the social links up in the top right. Plus, I put one on CannabisPodcast.com right under that week's episode. If you ever have a comment on anything you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. That's it for episode 115 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.